Amen. That question is still being asked tonight. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Amen. There is. And there is a blood. And then the, the blood that the Lord Jesus Christ shed over 2,000 years ago still has lost none of us the ancient power of the name. But before taking a wee reading, just let us, bur- let us burn a wee word of prayer. Father God, tonight we do stand before you. We stand before this congregation. And Father God, we declare that the blood has lost none of its ancient power. The fellows to offend her who truly believes. That moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Father God, we tonight we thank you for the gospel. Father God, we do thank you. The gospel has the power to change lives, set captives free, break addictions, break every stronghold. And Father God, tonight may it be glorified in this mean. Father God, may it be through the preaching of your word to your people, but through it may your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, we do ask for your help. I do ask for your help. We can sing, How great thy art, my Saviour God, to thee. You know those couple of songs. Sometimes they're not just songs when they really just sing from here to here. We can sing that song. He took my sins and my sorrows and he made them as far as own. He bore the burden to Calvary and he suffered and died alone. It was for me. Do you know, it's not a religious activity. It's not something we do. It's not even a religious routine we come. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So tonight, may, with God's help, just try to bring God's word to us. The readings found in Genesis chapter 41. And we're starting from verse 8. Okay. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. I'll read that again. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then speak the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me inward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night. I and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, a Hebrew servant, to the captain of the guard, and we told him an interpret and, and, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams, to each man according to the dream he'd interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it so it was me, he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. There's two ways. There's two ways, just even just quick and tell me even there wasn't planned to say there's two ways. One was restored, one was hanged. There's a way of life, there's a way of death. There's only two types of people in this room tonight with Friday from ages, backgrounds, even colour of skin, some of us. I said there's only two types of people before God this evening. The washed in the precious blood of Jesus are those still outside of that precious blood. And tonight there's an opportunity to be brought into that family of God. We can sing. I know they took my sins and my sorrows. It's not just something that you sing. It's something you experience. It's a new life. It's that born-again experience where the Spirit of God comes and dwells within these earthen vessels. You know, a life that was bound and ready for hell. He lifts it up off that gutter, dusts him down, washes him in the precious blood, and we can stand before God this evening because of that precious blood. It says then, Pharaoh, and it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself. And changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that could interpret it. And I have heard say of thee, 
that they can understand the dream to interpret it. But here with Joseph's response. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And even by way of introduction tonight, you know what I mean? Of our sales, we can't deliver ourselves from anything. Bad habits, careless lifestyle, addictions, bondage, self-addictions that we've actually got ourselves into. But our one is, our one, one, our one, our, our, sorry, there is one who is able, and his name is Jesus. And I just thought I'd just share that with you before I get to my notes. Because it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ, honestly. It's a privilege to be able to have the liberty and the freedom to stand behind the pulpit, the church doors to be open, and the gospel to be, to, to be proclaimed. You know, there's parts of this world, and they haven't got the liberty and the freedom which we have to stand and proclaim the good news. But I've shared it before, and I'll share it again. The gospel is only good news to people if it gets there in the right time. The gospel is good news that the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and to save all that were lost, you know. To bring them in that relationship that we were fallen. We were, even from the youngest, which is probably Beulah, do you know what I mean? Says they were born and shaped in, 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 in iniquity. From the earliest age, do you know what I mean? It's that fallen nature which is going to separate us before a true God. But thank God for the blood this morning. The blood can cleanse us from every sin. Not some, not in part. We're singing it sometimes. I'll, I'll try and slow it down. It says, the sin not in part, but a glorious thought. It's nailed to the cross and I burn no more. It's all. It's not a partly, it's not a it's not a tidied up or a patchwork like a patchwork quilt. It's a full work, you know. It's a, it's a it's a complete gospel, it's a complete work, it's a complete deliverance, it's a complete satisfaction. And it's it said that he who the sun sets free, and it's quoted often from this pulpit, but it's true because the men and the women who actually share it are men and women who have experienced that freedom. You know, first eight, I'll start. It's probably not a normal gospel text. That you were probably sure. But when Pastor Tim asked me weeks ago, I was reading it and I couldn't get away from it. And over, even up until the last night, I actually penned it down together and I said, Lord, then you must not really want me to bring anything else. So even for me to be nervous and to be anxious, and Pastor Willie said a couple of weeks ago, he says, Whenever God brings you up and he stretches you, I do believe that's been me right until the very last moment before I put pen to paper. But I do, I do trust that he'll quicken the words of this mouth and the meditation of this heart may be acceptable in God. And before in this evening, it turned around and says, Pharaoh was troubled. Pharaoh's the type of the man is that everybody wants to be. He has it all. Do you know what it says? Pharaoh was troubled, turned to what he knew, but couldn't help him. Even with, even with all he had, couldn't settle him. Is this then a type of the world? Do you know, there's people in this world and they've got it all. They've got A to say of what they want to accumulate. They've got everything that the, the market has to sell. They have every type of uh, gadget or every type of form of lust that they actually desire after. But it's never enough. Pharaoh had it all. And he turned around and turned around. And he actually, what he needed, he didn't have it. He had the possessions. He had the power. He had the prestige. He had the people. He lived in a palace, as it were. He had it all. But he still was missing something. And tonight, there's so many people in the world that see him tonight. They have it all. They think by having the house, or the car, or the best job, or the newest gadget. They think they've achieved it. But it's all short-lived. Do you know what I mean? It's for a season, but off the way. It's all temporal things can never satisfy. This heart, this, the depths of a heart can never be satisfied from by things of this world. And I talk of experience, you know, because we've lived it, we've been there, we've had it, we've sought after it, we've desired after it, doesn't bring satisfaction. There's only one can satisfy, Amen. and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say that out of an open heart, from a true expression, from a real experience. It's not something you learn. It's not something you're actually taught. It's something you experience. It's a difference, you know. Religion can teach people. Depends on what side of fence you're brought up. That's whatever you're going to be taught. Do you know what I mean? Depends what kind of school you're going to go to. That's what you're going to be learned. Or you're actually going to be brought to teach. 
But when something's experienced from the depths of this heart, you know, no man, no woman, no doctor, no nothing can argue with. It's a born-again experience of what the Lord Jesus Christ does in a heart. As I said, he had it all. Do you know what I mean? He had it all. It's like one of the people you'd actually, if you were still in the world, you'd actually wanted to be somebody like this Pharaoh. He had the prestige. He had the power. He had the palace. He had the people. He actually had servants. He had everything that you actually think you wanted. But he says he called for the magicians. He called for the wise men. But none of them could help him. None of them could help him. These musicians were not like some of our ones today, comedians, were pull rabbits out of a hat and do a wee car trick. No, he says these ones were philosophers. These ones studied. He said they studied all the ins and outs of the, everything, the orbit and the moons and the stars. And they were like a cult. That's still taking place in the age that we live in. But we don't call them then. We call them mediums. We call them clarifiants. We call them fortune tellers. They're all off the devil, but they don't bring any satisfaction. They're actually told, called familiar spirits. Honestly, and whatever I was reading this one, it wasn't like a normal gospel text to try to put together, but I believe that the Lord quickened to tell me, and I just do pray there's hearts open tonight to receive it. It says, as I said, he had everything. He had everything that the world had to offer, but he still wasn't settled. He still was troubled, and there was none that could help him. But it says, and it says, there was none that could help interpret them unto Pharaoh. His magicians would be like our day and age, so-called mediums and all the rest of them. They came short of what he needed. It was above their rule. It says it was like their hands were tied. They could no longer mimic it because in previous chapters in Genesis, whatever the Lord done, their magicians tried to copy it. There was always a counterfeit. When something's genuine, there's always a counterfeit. When something's real, there's always a fake. When something's pure, there's something that's unpure. When something's clean, there's always something that's dirty. And these people could not do anything to help Pharaoh in this circumstance. But we didn't see who he calls for. It says he goes on to Pharaoh's magicians could not help him. Everything and everything and everything that he possessed and every all his possessions that he owned couldn't satisfy him. But in verse 16 it says that it's not in me. It's his young boy Joseph. Do you know what I mean? You've probably heard about Joseph. Joseph's the multicolor code and all that kind of Bible, Bible stories. They're actually not actually stories. They're actually truths. Because everything that's recorded in here is truth. You know, some people say they're fairy tales. Sometimes you stand in the street, do an outreach by St. Valentine's on a Thursday morning. People walk past and put their hand up in your face and say they don't believe in fairy tales. But I'm thinking, oh boy, this is not a fairy tale. This is life and death. Do you know what I mean? It's a power of going into salvation to those that believe. Do you know the foolishness of preaching is the preaching of the cross is foolish to those that perish, but unto those that believe, it is precious. Do you know it says so we see Joseph in verse 16. So I'm actually jumping about, but it goes from verse 8, and it says, Pharaoh was troubled. He arose in the morning. It was actually several times he'd had this dream. And it kept on coming before him. He couldn't, anybody that he had, all the people that he knew about him, couldn't bring a deliverance, couldn't bring a, a peace to him. So who did he call for? It says in verse 16, he goes to Joseph and says, And that in me, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Here we see Joseph telling Pharaoh that it's not in him but God. The life of Joseph, we see how he is actually typified or referred to as a, as a type of a Christ. You know, everything that Joseph went through, it actually put some of the same traits and similarities to the Lord Jesus Christ. I actually experienced, I'll mention a couple of them. It said, he is the object of his father's special love. He had promises of the final exaltation. He was mocked by his family. It says the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. He came on to his own and his own received him not. You know, the same people who one day were shouting, Hosanna, that's why people are so fickle. When something's going well, they'll praise him. They'll shout, they'll rejoice, they'll glorify, they'll lift their hands. But when everything's not going well, the same people shout a crucifixion. Crucifying, we'll not have this man to rule over us. And today, in the age that we live in, it's still the same. 
It's still the same. Nothing's changed. In fact, it's probably got worse. Do you know what I mean? The laws that are being brought, everything that actually was once right has become wrong, and everything that was wrong has become right. The standards are being dropped. They've abolished all the principle this country was actually stood for. Do you know it's just sin? That's what it is. It's sin. And turn around and says he was sold for pieces of silver. Again in verse 16, Joseph declares his dependency is in God. There's many people, many a woman, man, boy and girl in this room tonight who have experienced the touch of God, who were once bound by alcohol, fornication, pornography, everything, do you know what I mean? Drink, drugs, reddish lifestyle. But you know, it's not in themselves to deliver themselves. It's in God, you know, and Joseph knew this. He couldn't do it. He actually, when he went to Pharaoh, he says, Pharaoh, I can't do it. He says, but God can't. And tonight this church can't do it, but God can't. He says, these, the men that stand behind this pulpit, we can't deliver anyone, but the power of the gospel can't set men and women free. And that's a privilege. It is to share the gospel with men and women who are bound. And as I say, bound and heading for a lost eternity, if truth be told. That's where there's two ways. There's a way it seems to thread on to a man, but the end thereof of his ways is death. It's not my word, it's the Bible's word, it's his precious word, and nothing's changed. We'll never falter or flinch from the truth, because it's only the truth that can set a man and a woman free, glorious free, delivered. It says, or would you be a fur oh on tonight, can you see? Sorry, I've actually jumped a bit, but here we see throughout all that he went through. But second Corinthians first three and five actually lets us see it says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to that anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Joseph knew this well, so he had a great, he actually had a great upper hand because he knew it wasn't in himself, but in the God that he trusted in. We heard this morning about David. Do you know what I mean? We've read all the stories about everything that these people have actually went through off their sails that couldn't, but in the God that they trusted could. And that makes a difference. And tonight, if a question was asked, the young and old boy and girl, would you see yourself of a type of pharaoh that has it all that this world has to offer and still troubled and still end up in the lost eternity? Or would you see yourself a Joseph? Had nothing. Ended up in the pit because of his jealousy. His brothers or his brethren were jealous of him. Put him in a pit. But he ended up going from the pit to the prison, to the palace. Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking all because of the provision of God. It says, Anthony, can you see yourselves as a type of a pharaoh or a type of a Joseph? That question still being asked, a young and old boy, girl. Do you know what I mean tonight? And in the depth of your heart, you can answer it, you know, because you're probably at that point... We've all done it. We've all seeked after things to try to bring satisfaction. And when you've got it and you've achieved it and sexy in your possession, you think, is this it? Is this it? Is this all I've done it for? And if the twist, the question was asked, I'm only talking from experience. Enough is never enough. When you have stuff and you want to accumulate it, when you have something else, you want something else more. Enough is never enough. But it says, godliness with content is great gain. Do you know? It's a truth. And tonight you see yourself as a type of a Joseph who truly depended on God? Or would you be a pharaoh having it all and still not settled? Remember seeing this, and it says, no God, no peace. But to know God is to know peace. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference. Sometimes we can know from here, and I've probably wrote it down, but I'll probably skip it. See, there's a difference between knowing something and experiencing something. Remember that preacher once said, he says, people miss heaven by 18 inches. And I says, Okay, where's he going? He said, There's a difference between knowing it up here and it becoming a reality in here. He says, but A lot of people, do you know what I mean, can quote the scriptures, but they don't know the author. A lot of people can say, The Lord's my shepherd, but they don't really know that shepherd, and they're not under his care. They're not under his protection. They're not under his provision. They're not under his promises. 
there's a difference. There is a difference. This may be only a simple, the simplicity, but the, the gospel is, it uses the foolish things of this world to confound the mighty. Do you know? So our question is still the same tonight. Even though Joseph was in a pit and ended up in a palace, God will bring you to places you don't understand just to bring you to the place he needs you to be. I'll read that again. As many as the times I've experienced that in my own life. Even though Joseph was put in a pit and ended up in a palace, God will bring you to places you don't, you don't understand just to bring you to the place he needs you to be, where he wants you to be. Of a few other things, so I'll just... This question of actually managing to say tonight, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, that's what a gospel message preached for. It is to bring good news to broken people. It is to bring hope to hopeless people. It is to bring rest to those that are weary. It is to bring, whenever there's times of trouble, it doesn't mean we're not exempt from it. Don't take me wrong or don't take me out of the wrong context. But it's when we go through things, there's a difference. We have somebody to go through it with us. We can say like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You know, that verse itself speaks a provision of every line. Every line in the Psalm 23 speaks a provision. If you read it up, it is a lovely psalm. Most of the times it's quoted at a funeral to try and bring comfort. But most of the funerals that I've stood behind, the people that have actually had it quoted over their life, they'd never know the shepherd. It says they've come in a different way. John's Gospel 10 and 10 says, I know my sheep know my, I know my, no, the sheep know my voice and I know them. It says, and a stranger they will not follow. But yet at times when this, this message, Psalm 23, is a lovely, it's taken out of context and it's used to try and bring a bit of comfort. But the people who lived before they died never knew the shepherd. And I said of even some of the families of, from friends, so even some of the family funerals that I've attended to, I've walked away grieving, thinking that's dishonest. That's, that's not the truth. You know, because somebody's got up and they've stood up with a collar or a cloak or a robe and they've given a wee word to try and comfort the family. And the family have walked away and turned around and says, he must be speaking of a different person. That's not my family. And that's the truth. Even the unsaved know the reality of a life in Christ or a life out of Christ, you know. But so many people get up and try and claim the promises, try and quote the promises. But before you can obtain, you have to obey. There's always a pattern in the word of God. It says, tonight, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, it's your own and personal saviour. I say this with the uttermost compassion. I do say it because even the reality and the bravity of life, even coming out today, me and Paula actually turned around and told me, my doctor, who I was seen a couple of weeks ago, dead, up at a car event up in Port Rush, just this evening, dead. Now we go to him, he's probably one of the people you actually look to in the worldly status, do you know what I mean? Going to give you help, going to give you medication, whatever it is you need. And yet only God knows where that soul was left, you know what I mean? What way he left this scene of time. Probably worked all week, made a plan, reservation to go away for the weekend. His plans didn't go the way he planned. He's there, that's my family doctor, one of our family doctors. Just shows you, take heed. And that's the truth, even today, some of you actually would know that today is actually a year anniversary of a fella that we actually grew up with on the Shanka Road. You know, one year when you spoke to him, everything was brilliant, everything was laughing, he was living the life, he was wearing a holiday. He came back a couple of days and actually committed suicide. And that was one year ago today, young fella my age. If I was to show you a lot of cards that I had from funerals that I attended, between 1983, some of them were, right up until now, would be right about my age category. Every majority of them are actually my age category who are no longer living. So ones I went to school with, ones I had photos taken with, ones who I actually rub, as, as it, well, you say, rub shoulders with, grew up together, went through primary school, went through secondary school. And if you'd asked them when they finished secondary school, and the careers teacher would sit them down and says, what way do you plan? What way do you think your life's going to go? Or what can you see yourself being? Do you think one of them wanted to turn around and says, I want to be an alcoholic? Do you think one of them wants to turn around and says, I want to be a drug addict? 
says, what, do you think one of them wants to turn around and says, I want to go and try and commit suicide? No. Sin will take you further than you will want to go. And I know we quote it too often, but see when you see it lived in the reality and lives that are broken. It is the truth. And when it's finished, we saw it last week, the deception of sin. There was this one, there was a church set there, and it was a church set there, and it was up to the free will choice. And that's what sin is like. It gives you a chance. It gives you a choice. makes it pleasing. makes it presentable. makes it desirable. But when you've got it, it leads to death. And that's the truth. That's sin when it's conceived, bring it forth death. That's what the Bible says. Sometimes you have to stop and actually, as it were, clear your throat when you actually, re the reality of people you actually grew up with, who have kids left behind, who have partners left behind, who have actually planned things and they're never there to take part in their plans because sin got in. It says, I say this with the uttermost compassion, yield that life, just let him take control of your life. Honestly, if I was to do it, if I was to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, when I, before I got saved, yeah, I, I was probably self-righteous. I didn't, I was always comparing, said I didn't do this and I didn't do that, so I didn't do this. But I still didn't accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I was to go back then and prevent myself from experiencing things all because I heeded the warning, I listened to the preacher, stood out, people standing out saying, giving you tracks and saying, God loves you, and you rub it off and walk on. But years after a year, when that you know, comes back to you, everything that you heard comes back to your remembrance. And the Spirit of God starts doing the work in your life, and you can't yield it. You can't push it off. You can't actually rub it off. That's conviction. Do you know what I mean? It's the Spirit of God, and that's how the Spirit of God draws men and women on the repentance. It says, but it is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, let him take control of your life. Honestly, his ways are perfect. But it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. That of people are legalistic and actually turning around in this day and age that we're laughing and, and living in. Say, we can do this and we can do this. That's okay. But if you truly love him, you won't want to do it. It's not legalism. It's not bondage. Do you know what I mean? It's mercy. When you've experienced the mercy of God in your life, why would you still want to keep on continuing in it? Why would you still want to keep on acting out in it? The things that caused you pain and profited you nothing. Why would you still want to take part in it? There is no a pleasure. Yes, I would be saying here tonight there, was, there is no pleasure in sin. There is. But it's only for a season. It's short-lived. Just love him as he first loved us. And it's probably one of the most well-quoted scripture texts you see everywhere. John 3 and verse 16. But I want to read it from the Amplified Version 16, 17 and 18. Put my hand on these. Everything blows everywhere. It says, For God so greatly loved and dearly praised the world that he even gave up his only begotten, his unique Son, to that whosoever believes in, merely just means trust in, clings to, relies on, and comes fully dependent upon. Him shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost and without hope, but have ever, but have eternal, everlasting life. For God did not send the Son, His Son, into the world to judge or to reject or to condemn. No. So it speaks of mercy. There's always mercy. There's always a, there's always there's always that invitation to come. Come unto me, all your labor and heavy laden, and I will give you a rest. It speaks of provision, it speaks of promise, but before someone can be received, you have to take it. Do you know what I mean? And Christ done it all, he paid it all in Calvary. And we sing it, we sung it in some of those opening songs. 
He took my sins. That's a different. He took my sins and my sorrows and he made them as very young. And this verse does, does, does become so real. The more you walk with them and the more you love them, the more you actually try to get into fellowship with them. These verses, as it were, just don't become words, but they become a reality. It says, For God so greatly loved and dearly praised, for God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge or reject or to condemn or to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. He who believes in him, who clings to and trusts in, relies on, is not judged. But he who trusts in him never comes up for judgment. For him there is no rejection, no condemnation, no incurs or damnation, but he who does not believe, cleave to, rely on, or put it, who truly surrender those life to has already received the sentence because he has not believed in God's Son. People don't have to do nothing tonight. They end up in a lost eternity. People think they have to commit this sin. They have to commit that sin. There's one thing that you have to do. There's one thing that you do tonight and they end up in a lost eternity. It's to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the truth. That's the simplicity of it. Kids can understand it in the Sunday school. We teach our own kids it. You know, there's only one thing that you can do. It's not the sins that you do or the acts that you commit or the ways that you go. Just reject the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll end up in the lost eternity. But that's not the heart of God. God said in all words, now he would have men, women, all words that come under repentance. Do you know what I mean? He's willing that none shall perish, but to be saved. Speaks of the heart of God, the mercy of God. The people who were once so far off, who were backs were against God, who wanted them to do with them. We could actually say, and when they actually said, we'll not have this man to rule over us, because if you have someone to rule over you, you have to be in a relationship with him. You actually have to want to respect his commands. You actually want to respect his, his requirements, you know, but when you're in love with someone and you actually see the grace of God actually experienced in your life, why would you not want to do it? Why would you not want to restore, give him thanks? Why would you not want to give him praise? Why would you not want to live that life worthy in which he bought us and purchased us and paid for us with his own precious blood? God loves the whole world. Yes, that's the truth. But I tell you, the whole world will not be in heaven. That's a scary thought. Yes, God loves the whole world. All our precious, yellow, what the wee song was saying, we're all... For God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son. But that doesn't mean every man and every woman, every boy and every girl is going to be in heaven. He's made a way. John chapter 14, verse 6 tells us, speaks to the Lord Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Speak of the provision. And then he gives us his promise. This is the promise tonight. If you just go away with nothing, go away with this. This is a promise of God to every person here who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's found in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. It's not stuff that we make up here and stamp behind a pulpit to try and bring in the place or in the point or in the mind frame of condemnation. There's always mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before there's any judgments ever been acted out in the Bible, there's always been a warning. There's always been a remedy. There's always been a way of escape. But it's out of the stiff neck of people. It's out of their own rebellious nature. It's out of their own, I'll do it this way. That's why they end up in the places they're in. It's never the heart of God to make a man. You asked, I know a girl growing up. Some of you will probably know, I'm not mentioning no names. If you're growing up, do you think, if you would ask her in primary school when she was fifth year, sixth year, do you think your life is going to end up like that? She'd say no. She'd say no. But that's the truth. Sin will bring you further when you're willing to go and make you pay more than you're willing to pay. And if you receive the mercy of God in that while you've still got breath, there's, an, there's always an answer. But most of the people that I've experienced live in that way, on the, grew up in the Shanker Road, 
I would actually love to show you them the wee booklet, and it actually talks about their legacy and what they've left. There's two dates, but there's another date should be put in there. It's a date they've actually given their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a date when you're actually naturally born, and there's a date when you're actually when you depart that scene of time. But there's a date in between. It talks about that born again experience when a man or woman comes to the realization of actually their sin is before God and God alone. Even though our actions might be on other fellow people, even other people, but our our sin is before God and before heaven. So whenever you realize that, you know. But most of the people I stood behind their caskets get lowered into the grave. They've never experienced that, and that breaks my heart to say that. It really does. But the gospel is precious. Only if there's obey, obeying. I'll talk about a neighbour also as well. Coming back when I was just saved about a year when you just you have that joy of the Lord and you've just experienced that freedom and that liberty and all and you're just you're seeking after the things that God wants you to seek after and you're desiring everything just to, to live that life pleasing because you're knowing you're just, it's, a, it's like a newness. It's like this freshness of just come into your life. Walked across the lane from where I used to fellowship in the Glen Cairn, and a fellow stopped me. He says, you're looking well. He says, oh, probably just to be shirt and tie. And he says, you're looking well. He says, you look different. He says, still look the same, still have the same marking, still have everything. He says, something about you. He turns around and says, you know what it is? Billy. He says, Billy, I've given my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, everything that I actually held, that actually helped me bondage and captive, he said he set me free. He says, really? I says, ah, oh, yes. I says, and Billy, do you know what? He can do it for you. The fellow really took in everything that I was saying, but he made no decision. And he says, next Sunday I'll come to church with you. Now listen, he says, next Sunday I'll come to church. Remember, I can actually recall that conversation in my head now in Harmony Lane. He said, I'll come to church with you. The Saturday before the Sunday, he fell down the stairs and broke his neck. It's my granny's neighbor. Fell down the stairs and broke his neck dead. And I said to myself, do you know what? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for tomorrow's promise to no man. And we don't say this to scurry you. I say this out of people that I actually knew, actually felt for, actually cared for and concerned for. And yet when you're trying to bring them this good news, they actually reject it. And when you actually hear if they're passing, they're saying, Lord, what only you know what way they've left this scene of time, you know? It's sad, it really is. I've mentioned about funerals I've attended, and the majority of them, the only ones that can truly leave a proper legacy, it says the old ones that have actually lived that life for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they've got how great they are being sung at their funeral or when the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. They've left that testimony. They've left that legacy. People actually know what life they lived and can actually say that was a man or a woman who loved the Lord, whose heart that God had touched, whose life that God has changed, who desired God had replaced, whose life outlook in life was a lot different because it's no longer me about me or I, it's about other people. And that's what the gospel is for. Do you know, whenever you've received it, how can you contain it? Why would you want to keep it yourself? And that's why whenever hearing about these people passing, thinking, I spoke to you. I witnessed to you. Do you know what I mean? But there's a difference between hearing something and experience something. And that's why the Spirit of God can only do that. No man, no, no, no. It's the Spirit of God will bring that conviction of sin, of righteousness and judgment to come. We could save everyone in this room who's not saved. We'll lift you over that finish and line and carry us through. But we can't. And I speak out even over my own family. They'll have to come into the, my kids. They'll have to come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in their own and personal way. If I could save them, I would do it. If money could buy it, I would try to possess it. If I could obtain it, I would do it. But I can't. Salvation is off the Lord. Our job is only to try and preach the gospel. And the Spirit of God will do the rest. There is a way that seemeth right. And that many of those people I've quoted and talked about lived that life. 
but the way thereof is death. There is pleasures in sin, but it's short fixed. It's only temporal. It doesn't satisfy. And then at the end of it, wages is death. We all work, and when you work, you get paid. Do you know, it's the same as sin when you turn around and say the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, there's always a contrast. There is always a contrast. He who believes in the Son is not condemned, but he who does not. But he who believes in the Son has life. But he who does not believe in the Son has not life. But the wrath of God abideth upon him. For God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, that brings a personal question to each heart sitting here today, boy and girl, young or old, that question is being asked, that whosoever, what will you do with it? If you hear his voice today, the Bible mentions repeatedly, emphasizes on it, harden not your heart. Sometimes you lost notes when you turn away. Hebrews chapter 3, I think he probably quoted it. First 7, the 11, actually in the same verse, it, talk, it, mentions, it, it mentions it four times. It says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. It's not a man's voice. Do you know what? It's a special voice. It's his voice. It's a specific time. It's today. That's what it says. So not only is there a special voice, there's a specific time. And not only is there a specific time, there's a serious evil. It says, could harden your heart and never hear the voice of the Spirit of God trying to deal with you. And at times, as a believer, I only use it as a believer. Do you know what I mean? There's even things that the Lord has actually tried to prompt it and actually try to put his finger on. And the more you ignore it, the more you ignore it. It's like you're trying to silence it. It'll get lower and lower, but you'll still keep on striving. That's the same as the ungodly. The Spirit of God will still strive with you, will bring restlessness, will bring conviction, but it's up to the individual what he does with it. Again in Hebrews chapter 3. So this is the third time in Hebrews chapter 3 it mentions, says today. Also again in Hebrews chapter 4, it says verse 7. It says today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. It's serious. Don't think tonight we can play games. And that's a, th- I remember speaking to a fellow in the city centre. And I say it's like, it's like if I was to give you a gun and six bullets, six, six, cart- uh, six wee capsules, but there's only one was loaded. So if I give somebody a gun, there's actually six barrels, but there's only one of them are loaded. I said, every time you play mercy, every time you play roulette, with the spirit of God, I said, it's like you pull that trigger to your head. I said, because someday it's going gonna, it's gonna to go through. And I turned around and said, and that's the same in the spirit of God, it's actually dealing with a man, dealing with a woman, and you think you can rub it off, push it off, and some other today, some other time you'll actually try to come to God. Who are we to come, do you know what I mean? Who are we to try and think we can come to God, you know? It's a ser- that's why it says the seriousness says if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. It says don't play, think you can play games with God. God is not mocked or fooled. You may fool each other. You may fool people stand here. You may fool people in your own family. You may fool your own parents. You may fool your friends and family. But God is not mocked. It says the Lord sees it all. It says the eyes of the Lord run to and through, beholding all manner of evil and good. He sees it all. He sees everything. So before there's a punishment, why would you not want, why would you not rather just yield that life, confess your sins, embrace his forgiveness, give your heart tell him before you actually have to actually receive the punishment of the way our lives were going? There's only one way to get to heaven. I know I've actually quoted John's John 10 and 10. It says there's only one way to get to heaven, and it's for us to put our trust in the Lord Jesus. It means basically Christian mean doesn't mean people say you're good living. 
or you've saw the light. Basically, Christianity just being born again means like you've turned your back on everything that you actually once knew, and you've actually turned your back and you've actually shunned it, and you've actually went forward a complete different direction, but only by the grace and the ability of a God. Off our sails, we couldn't do it. We'd still be bound. We'd still be going that same place. We'd still end up in the same dens. We'd still end up in the same places. We'll still end up with the same addictions. We'd still end up with the same self-religious spirit. But it's only, it's only the Lord Jesus Christ can set a man and a woman free. There's only one way. And it says from your sins, it says, turn to him. It says, confess your sins. Yield that life. Bow the knee. Because one day, what well, says one day, every knee will bow anyway. And every tongue will confess. So the Lord's dealing with him with you. Why won't you want just give it to him? It says, him as Lord and Saviour of your life. Just go through these notes quickly. Do you know what it says? We heard this morning about David, a young boy. Sometimes that one of the greatest lies and the deception of the devil can turn around and say, you're too young. We heard about another young boy, Joseph, I read about. But the scriptures are full of young people that God used whose heart he had touched. We see David. We see Samuel. We see Joseph. We see Josiah, we just, we just say Joash. There's so so many, you know, would, would have experienced the touch of God in their life from an early age. But that's one of the that's one of the lies that the devil would say, have you, and actually try to have you bound to. Like you're too young, live your life a wee bit, go and experience that, adventure that, try that, test that, go there. Is that a nice place you want to go to? Go and do it. But see, after you're in that kind of place, you can't get out. After a while, when you've lost your sight, you're in a dark hole. He said, you don't know what way, you know what door to go through. You know, and everything you're actually trying to clutch and you're trying to grab and you're trying to look for a way. Yet for all along, there was a way. The Lord Jesus Christ made a way. But out of your own ignorance and your own rebellious nature and your own arrow, it's the fallen nature wants you to go through this. But as I say, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. The Bible mentions man quite a lot, but that man, that just really means man or woman. Do you know what I mean? It says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. Says all the scriptures I've mentioned a couple of them, a couple of experiences this morning. Young David, you know, young Josh, uh, Joseph, actually went before Pharaoh. Pharaoh had it all, but what he didn't have was what your Joseph had. You know, all his possession, all his prestige, all his respect, all his rapport, all his even in the palace you could actually picture him having it all and looking out upon all these servants and all these slaves that he had. Yet he still didn't make him happy. Didn't satisfy him. Yet here we see these young boys, these young these men that God had actually used, went through difficult places, stood before a confrontation, stood before a Goliath, took out the Goliath, do you know what I mean? Not in their own strength, but in the God that they trusted in. And tonight that's the same. Tonight, off ourselves, we can't do nothing, but when we truly put our confidence and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, it makes a difference. Here we see what God can do with a heart that is yielded. Time and time again, he seeks to see a life that is surrendered to him. Because he does want to have fellowship with him. It's always so hard of God, do you know what I mean, for his own creation to come into a relationship with him, do you know what I mean, to have that fellowship with him. But the only thing that separates us from it is our sin, is our nature, is our lifestyle, is our addictions, is everything that we're involved in. For him to rule and to reign in that life, who knows, there could be a young boy or girl here tonight God wants to use. Honestly, to raise up, you know, we'll quote all the missionaries, Amory Carmichael, the Hudson Taylors, all these kind of people, even the ones that are quoted through the scripture. But tonight, this God is not a respecter of persons. The same God of Jews seasons is still the same God here tonight. It's the same God who looks for the heart, hears our cry, and accepts that invitation. Come on to me, all your labor and have you laid, and I will give you rest. Speaks of a provision, speaks of a promise, but you have to receive, you have to put your hand out and receive it and take it. Speaks of, it represents even also the gospel. The gospel, it's paid. 
It's finished. It's a finished work. Thank God this evening at Calvary is a finished work. Every sin that we've ever done, everything we've ever committed, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son cleanses us from all sin. It's a finished work. But that same God tonight had done all that, has turned around and says, just come. Just come on. Just come on to me. Better to give your life to the Lord now while you still have young. There's actually an emphasis that talks about letting no man despise our youth. And you can see why, because in the youth, and you're fervent, and you're fresh, and you've got the energy, and you've got the seal, and you're not tied down with any commitments or anything, and you've got all that enthusiasm, why not give it to the Lord? Honestly, yeah, you can use older ones, but I'm thinking, at that age, if I was to go back again, not trying to say not get married and not have kids, but even before I experienced all that, I was to turn around and say, I bought a game at all. Yes, I was saved, I was washed in the blood, I went to church, I experienced it, you know what I mean? But there's so much more to enter in for. There's so much more, there's rivers to swim in. We heard about it Wednesday night, not just to dip our feet, or even knee deep or waist deep, and this is even saying to the believer, but there's so much more for us. And even as in the unsaved, you know, it's a truth, the plants, God's ways for your life is perfect. It really is. And as he says, for the plants I know how for you are for good, not to harm you, to prosper you, and to give you a better end. That's what the word of God says in Jeremiah. It says this would be nothing better than to give your life to the Lord and experience all that he has, the fullness of, the, fullness of all that he has. It says we do have those treasures in these earthen vessels. Do you know, whenever we, we, we stand and proclaim the gospel, it's a Christ that liveth in us, that hope of glory. It says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. It's not anything of what we have done. It's not anything that we've actually attended a course. We've actually went to the AA or we've went to this one. We've went to the readers. I don't mean there's nothing wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? But whenever the Lord does a work in our heart, it's changed. Whenever God brings a conviction of a sin in a life, there's deliverance. Whenever God brings his, points his finger on something in your life that he doesn't want, he'll remove it only if you let him. Do you know all these... All these systems and all these protocols and all these programs, they're all good in themselves, but there's one that can set free. And his name is Jesus. You know, it says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. All my sins, all my past, everything that I'd ever done, every time I'd even blasphemed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's washed away. And you know what way you stand before him? As left with never sinned before. Never sinned before. And that blood supplied your life. And he no longer looks upon us as if we've done every file of wickedness, every act of evil in the side. He looks upon and says, those are those that I love and I died for and have experienced my forgiveness. Must just to see the heart of God, you know, just unfolding and experienced, and just even tonight, even as a gospel message, if you can say it, was, it is a gospel, it is a good news. But if there's nothing, if we go away with nothing, you remember, I pray the Spirit of God will bring the realization of what these verses mean. It says, as we talked about Pharaoh, he had it all. But we didn't see the, even out of Pharaoh's own confession, we didn't see the turn. It says, as we talked about Pharaoh, he had it all, but still what he possessed wasn't able to help him. All his luxuries, all his prestige, all his, as it were, his financial gain, everything that he had couldn't help him. But Joseph, on the other hand, had nothing in comparison to his possessions. But what he did have was something, the treasure within these earthen vessels. Jonah was worth a lot more. He was more prosperous in the spiritual sense, maybe not in the natural sense, but in the prosperous sense. Jonah, I mean, before God, he had more than Pharaoh ever had. He had the peace of God, which speaks a lot. There's a lot of people out there and have got everything. And I know a lot of them myself, even the kind of background I worked in, I actually even know actually one of the guys that owned the Ramada Hotel in Shaw's Bridge. His son, was uh, when his son turned 18, they actually gave him a title, Lord Rana. Made a, he was a millionaire. The, the, the government actually gave him that title, Lord. 
His son at 18 years of age got himself his first car, went out under the influence of drink and wrapped around a lamppost and was in touch and go situation for his life. You know, these people have it all, but there's still trouble. These people have it all, but there's no peace. But here we see with Joseph, he had the peace of God. Even through all that he experienced, all his hard times, even being betrayed by his brother, and even his robe being taken off him, even being put in that pit, even being uh, uh, cut off from his family, even his own father actually said he had a really bond with, cut off from all lemons, he still experienced the perfection of God. He still experienced the perfection of God and also the promises of God, you know, no matter what he went through. And even in verse 38, the same chapter which I was reading, and this is the words of Pharaoh, it says, unto his servants, it's like actually I'm gathering a meeting and says, you can't help me. No, no, you've tried. It says, no, you can't help me. I tried to, do you know what I mean? Call for the magicians, no, they couldn't help me. It says, call for the wise men, they couldn't help me either. It says, so what, what, what really are we going to do? But Pharaoh must have experienced that in the heart. He turned around and says, but Joseph, we didn't hear what he says about Joseph. He said, that, and Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God dwells? Isn't that lovely? Do you know what I mean? Honestly, we always talk, we always read about the book of Acts when the Spirit of God came. But here in the Old Testament, Genesis, a man, young boy experienced carrying the presence of God. Do you know what I mean? I was we could actually say he was full of the Holy Ghost. Do you know, you could actually, he was able to, he had discernment. He had direction. He had those promises that he held on to. He had the peace of God. He experienced the provision of God. And in the natural sense, in the natural sense, which the natural man would always look after, you wouldn't want it, but he had. Because in Newark, he still looked like the wee boy who's been forsaken, who was put in the pit, ended up in the prison, but all out of false accusations. But on the, in the, in the side of, in the side of in the eternity, what he had, Pharaoh couldn't achieve to or accumulate. And all that he tried to possess couldn't help him. He was still troubled. And we, say that, we saw that in verse 8 when he says he called for the magicians. He called for the wise men. They weren't that wise. They weren't able to help him. But where did he find wisdom in? A young boy, Joseph, whose brothers who actually thought they were actually getting rid of. Putting them away. He says, we'll come back and we'll tell our father he's dead. Do you know what I mean? They put him in a pit, but where God brought him through to bring him into, to bring him to a place where he was going to be able to help that same family. I do believe that speaks of the mercy of God. I do believe it speaks at the heart of God, of the gospel. Us who were once afar off, here, the Bible actually says, we were alienated from the things of God. Our backs were against them. It's like, Lord, I don't want nothing to do with you. Some other time I'll call upon you. But you know what I mean? In his mercy, in his long suffering, in his tender mercies, in his compassion, he strove with us. Nothing greater than to carry the presence of God. We heard about it this morning, about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. The Spirit of God, that is that which speaks to the hearts of men and women. And what will you do if you hear his voice? As I mentioned in Hebrews, today is emphasized time and time and time again. So now, is this stammering and stuttering and preacher, or whatever words that he tried to bring, is silent? I do pray that the Spirit of God will still speak on. And even in the midnight hour, I know a lot of people, even myself at times when I heard the gospel message, Never actually respond to their name. Yes, sometimes it does, and the Lord gives you courage to put that hand up. You walk to the front and you make that declaration. Sometimes, but when you go home and you're in the quietness of your house and everything else is silent, and the voice of the Spirit of God starts speaking and tell you, you can't run. You can't hide. You can't ignore it. And that will be the heart tonight for every man and woman and boy and girl here. Amen.